welcome back to the Value Adds Value podcast with Kyle Krieger and Wilkie Law, where we're sharing inspiring stories of educators just like yourself, helping you to develop your craft and sharpen your tools to become the teacher your students deserve. This is the Value Adds Value podcast. Let's jump into this next episode. What is going on, fam? Welcome back to the Value Adds Value podcast. My name is Kyle Krieger, and as always, I'm joined by my guy, Wilkie V. Law III. Will, what's good? Man, everything is good right now. We're started back face-to-face teaching. No more virtual learning for me. Um, and I have to say, my hat goes off to every virtual teacher out there. As a virtual teacher and a parent of a virtual student, my job was literally 18 hours a day. And um, it is not fun. So, you know, for all the parents who are teachers, our parent educators uh, who, who have their own kids that they have to do at the same time teaching their kids, I just want to say to you, my hat goes off. I want to encourage you that it does get better um, and trust the process. Develop a schedule and trust the process because it is no joke. Mm-hmm. No joke. Mm-hmm. But I'm glad that now at least part of it is over with and I can actually get into, you know, focusing on my kids at school and coming home and focusing on my daughter at home. Mm. And I think that that separation makes a big difference. Yeah. And we are pumped because, and and this is thankful to Wilkie that he's searching the Instagrams and the TikToks for people that are doing great things. We've got Tabitha Wesley on the podcast and we are so pumped. Tabitha, thanks for spending time with us this morning. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Um, a good change of pace. <laughs> yeah. All right, Will. So do you want to start out and, and just kind of tell the story of how you found her and, and why we chose to bring her on? Yeah, well, it, real, I mean, I'll give the condensed version. Um, I, You know, we started TikToking a while back and just kind of playing around with the idea to joke around. And so I remember watching a Gary Vee video and he said, you know, spend some time going through, scrolling through people's content. And I discovered her page teaching math and you know for me you see anyone teaching math you stop and pause and I started saying wait a minute let me try these and I started trying them myself and I started trying them from the lens of a student I said these will work so I shared them with some of the people in my campus and of course my math coach was like but those are tricks let's not show the kids tricks and my 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 my, you know I always love to give little one-liners and I said that it's okay to teach a kid a trick if you teach them how it ticks because then they become the magician and they get to amaze us with their progress. And so I've actually used the TikTok and the kids have actually understood it better than me teaching a 20 minute, 30 minute lesson in just a three minute video. And so not even three minutes, it's not even, they're not even three minute videos, they're shorter than that. But because it's speaking their language, where it's the pop-up bubbles and they're seeing the visuals, the kids are getting it a lot faster. So I'm a super fan and I'm super excited to have her with us today. Uh, I thought it would be far-fetched to even try to get her on. I was like, ah, oh, we'll, we'll never reach her. And and surprisingly, she's here. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, so Tabitha, do you wanna give us and our listeners just a little bit of your background and how you got into the uh, teaching profession? 
Well, um, I went to college at Georgia Southern University. Ooh, a little shout out over there. Uh, and um, I started my education degree there. And that's where I kind of fell in love with working with kids and um, you know, going into the schools. And as soon as I graduated, we moved back to the Atlanta area and I got a job in Clayton County. And uh, that they had a really high need for teachers up in the south of Atlanta. And so started teaching there and really fell in love with the service of teaching. And in the, the area that I was teaching, really just my kids didn't really need a teacher. They needed a person just to look out for them. And so I fell in love with just being a part of their family and being a part of their day. And uh, unfortunately, my husband and I had to relocate back to Houston where I'm originally from uh, due to some family stuff. And so I lived in Houston for a couple of years and taught in Sci Fair. And I loved it there, loved being with a different set of kids, different demographic of students. And it kind of opened my eyes to other challenges, you know, state lines and curriculum changes and all the different things that come with changing and changing a district, you know, in the middle of your career. Then I came back to Georgia back to Clayton County. And uh, then my husband decided to change career paths. So I went down south to a different kind of area in a rural South Georgia district. And um, that's where I really flourished. And I got my gifted endorsement and again, changed districts, changed principals, changed schools and saw how things are completely different. Kids, though, ironically enough, remain the same. They still are the same kid no matter their background, no matter their um, where they grow up, they genuinely just need someone to be there for them. And so I love curriculum and I love content, but I've learned crossing state lines that I'm genuinely just there for them. Um, I want to be a part of their life every day. And then, so I didn't tell you this earlier, then my husband took a job and we moved to Miami. And so then I got to leave Georgia and I taught in Miami, uh, down in Miami-Dade, but I actually taught a charter school for two years, which was phenomenal. It reignited everything in me because I served a community that was not served. And so I was able to go into the Opelika, Liberty City area and serve these kiddos that made, just grew my heart 10 times larger. And um, I fell in love, back in love with teaching. So when I was able to come back to Georgia, I came back to um, a wonderful district, Henry County, and a wonderful school, and they've gotten all of me. They've, I've poured my heart and soul into them, and I'm hoping that I'm showing them that, you know, it's not about always about that test score, but it's about building that culture and that family, and uh, hopping around has just shown me that kids need love, and so that's where I'm at right now. I'm in Henry County, Timbridge Elementary. And uh, this is my 13th year, so. So I have to stop because <laughs> you said something that, that you had me at Houston, that you're originally from Houston, <laughs> because that's that's where I'm from, you know? And and when you said, but you've kind of been all over the place. Like, all over. <laughs> so you really kind of have to defy the idea of learning and um, kind of dialing in on a certain curriculum or a certain you know, scope and sequence for a certain area, because like you said, it's all about the love for the students. Because students don't change across state lines. Their needs may be different, 
you know, they may have different challenges, but at the end of the day, like you said, they all, you know, I always go back to Rita Pearson saying they all need a champion. And I think that's our challenge as educators is to become those champions for the students. So they look at us like, like we're superstars in their eyes. And because they're to us, I know, I know to us, and I can speak for Kyle and I, they're, they're like our champions. They're our little mini champions that, you know, that we look at and say, I wonder what this is going to become. You know, what will they become when they're done with me and where will they go once we're done? So salute to you for, for, for making the adaptations from Georgia to Houston to Miami, back to Georgia. <laughs> I mean, it is wow. And and when you when you are we were talking a little bit before Will jumped on and we started recording. What some of the people that told you that was the wrong career path? What were some of the things that they say to you when when you tell them that you've been at four or five different schools in three different states? Well, a lot of times in teaching, it frowned upon when you hop around a lot because they see you as. Um, well, I guess they kind of connect not staying at a school as maybe you weren't wanted at that school or um, you didn't find a good place in that school. And so kind of being transient can be frowned upon as a teacher because you're supposed to find a family and stick with the family and um, kind of it's, it's kind of what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to sit still and stay there. And those are your teachers and those are your, you know, but um I haven't had that opportunity, but I think um, it kind of helps me see that one, the grass is not always greener. Sometimes people want to complain. And it's like I said, the kids aren't any different. The anything, the teachers, <laughs> the teachers are different. Oh. Um, but uh, yeah, you kind of, I think it opens your eyes to see that kids are the same. And if you can be successful one place, you can be successful every place, you know, mm. and the barriers aren't really that they're it's kind of you you know if you find barriers you bust through them you know absolutely yeah and I and I I totally felt that way you know like I said I grew up super small towns taught in Houston came back to it's still rural Wisconsin but it's it's a it basically is like 45 minutes outside Minneapolis St. Paul but it's in Wisconsin to a school and the kids are very rural and like the experience of working with those kids just like opened my eyes to what like the world is and and what struck me in what you just said is how different the teachers are like the teachers in my rural school that I've been to are a lot different than the teachers that I've taught with and not all teachers but for the most part in my urban settings like you can't expect to go to a rural school where there aren't any people of color, whether they're students or teachers, and have them understand what that experience is. So so what, kind of along those stops, what were some of the major things that you learned along each of, each of those stops? Um, well, I feel like new teachers these days are pretty phenomenal. They're pretty amazing coming into the profession. I don't feel like I was that great until like way down the line. So, right. <laughs> you know, like today's new teachers and they are kicking butt early on. And I'm just like, I'm new 13. <laughs> like, um, and I'm struggling to keep up with some of these, these kids that are fresh. And so um, early on, it, I don't, I 
feel like I was just learning. I was trying to take it all in the first couple of times I changed districts. Clayton County uh, was where I served for two different, I served in two different schools there. And um, they uh, are a phenomenal group of kids. They're a phenomenal district. And I think there I learned a lot of just the need for a caring adult and a caring person who just checks on them. And that was the first district where I uh, really became a part of kids' families. And unfortunately, you know, would pick them up or take them home or um, check on them or take them to go eat. And I just kind of learned there where being a part of their family was so important. If mom needed help, I was there to help her. And uh, that's where I kind of fell in love with uh, serving those kids outside of the classroom and serving those families and uh, being a part of a family. I'm not a teacher to be your teacher for a year. I want you to call me. I want you to invite me to all your games. I want to be there when you graduate. I want to be there all day. Um, and if you don't see me as a part of your family, I'm like, why? <laughs> what did I do wrong? Like that, that's, and you know, we, Kyle and I, we, we've been saying this, that there's so many teachers who they teach the kid to pass them on. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I think the epiphany that we both had is that for both of us, we teach kids because we want to be a part of their life. Yeah. You know, I want you to remember me at graduation. You know, we both taught at the middle school level. So for a kid to go through, you know, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, up to 12th grade and still remember this little old sixth grade teacher that helped them, you know, in some kind of way that made an impact in their life. That's huge to me, you know, and, 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 and borderline, I almost get offended if I don't get invited to a graduation. You know, it's like, I don't care where you're graduating from. Let me know, you know, and, you know, I remember one year, the first year I had all of my kids graduating from different schools. I literally went to a graduation like every single day for like a week and a half, like for like the, well, the two weekends that, that they were having them, like two in one day you know, one year and then one, and it was just like, because the kids were like, Miss Law, you gotta be here. Absolutely, I'll be there. You know, when you get ready to go off to college, you know, we had a student who emailed us both this year because she graduated. And as she got ready to go off to college, you know, I'd say, hey, look, you know, if you still need anything, you know that I'm still here. You know, I know you're graduating, you're done with it, but I've also had a little experience with college. You know, so if you need anything, you know, we're still here to help. And I think preserving those relationships with students, it helps them to see that somebody genuinely cared. It wasn't because I needed you to boost up my numbers or to boost up my ego. I just want to see the finished product. Yeah, I feel, I feel like I did my first few years of students a disservice because I didn't know that. I didn't know that until later on what I was doing even when I was helping them out after school and um I didn't but I also didn't pour into them like I do now and um I have been those first few years you know they got the teacher that was learning and the, the you know I don't remember ever learning about relationships or culture in the classroom when I was in college and the importance there and now it's all I care about I don't I content will come, you know, <laughs> learning will come. I'm more about, are you having fun? And do you know that I care about you? Um, and so I feel like those first few years, I want to go back and see them over. And I look at pictures of them and I'm just like, oh, do you even 
I, 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 I have that feeling at least two or three times a week where I think back to my first couple of years in Houston. I mean, cause for me, especially going in small town, Wisconsin to Houston, my learning curve was just so huge. Like I didn't realize, like I knew that there were urban schools that were underserved and under, you know, the teachers weren't getting the things they need, but you don't realize what it actually is in those communities until you step into one. And, and I look back at the moments I missed to really go to go to more quinceañeras and to stop by kids, families, restaurants, and all of those things that, because I was taught in college that, that you explicitly don't do those things. You don't get involved. And I look back at it now, and, and a kid I had for one semester three years ago sent me a message. He's a senior now, and he's like, Hey, yo, Mr. K, I just wanted you to know that uh, me and some of the boys were talking about, you know, graduating coming up. And he's like, I just wanted you to know that I still feel like and that you were a person that always had my back and you always cared about me more than more than what I was doing. And I appreciate it. And I was like, bro, like that, that means the world. It means the world to me to get to get those messages. And I do want to come back to you were talking about curriculum as a person who's taught in three different states. Like, is it strange how different the curriculum can be state to state? Yeah, yeah. Especially, I've um, Texas and Georgia for sure. They, I talk to Texas teachers now because I have a lot of new teachers that reach out to me and they ask me, you know, tips and tricks to their curriculum. And the Texas teachers, I gotta, <laughs> they always have to tell me they're in Texas because they do their own thing down there, you know. Um, and so, yeah, it's hard. It's, it's um, you wish it kind of was like you, you support Common Core in the sense of you want them all to be the same so we can all help each other out. But then you support the autonomy that, um, that districts get to rock it in their own way. And so it's, it's a hard thing. But um, I think going and ready to learn, that's the biggest thing. When you switch districts and you switch schools and states and everything, I think uh, the biggest thing is to truly, despite your years of experience, is to humble yourself and get ready to learn the first year, you know, kind of sit back and listen and take it in because um, there's so much, there's so, every school is doing things so differently everywhere and um, really respecting the process of what that district or school has been putting in place for years way before you is key. And then if you feel like you can change things later, <laughs> come in later, but respecting the process um like you said about parents and stuff early um Wilkie is I think is the big thing is respecting where people are going but then I also taught in the charter school down in Florida and that whew, that changed everything <laughs> yeah I'm in I'm in a charter outside Minneapolis right now and it's such a different experience but I guess the follow-up question to that is as a person who has gone through the battles of trying to make culture your priority and kids happy like what are some of the tips you have for teachers who are inevitably going to get pushed back on that cultural piece because there is so much curriculum that people need to teach and we don't I mean I still hear teachers say that they don't there's not time for culture and there's not time for social emotional learning we spent like three weeks the two of us talking this summer about what the heck 
social emotional learning is and why it's not the number one thing. So what advice do you have for, for teachers who want to focus on building that culture and that love and that fun when they have, like, especially, I mean, let's be real, if you're in Texas, it is a mountain of things that you need to teach. So, so what advice would you give teachers who are trying to go down that path? Um. Well, I listened to a bunch of your podcasts. I was, I kind of fell in love after I got your um, email and your invite. I was like, well, let me check this, this little podcast out. And uh, I have been obsessed. I've been listening to it all. So thank you. Uh, I really enjoyed the, what did she call it? Uh, two by 10. Is that what it was? Yeah. Lauren. Yeah. Um, that kind of stuff, those little things, you know, I, you, as a teacher, we got to share those little things. It's like, well, yeah, of course. Why would I not think of that? So taking those few minutes is essential. Um, spending the time with your kids and realizing that that's the most important thing. The content will come. If you have to embed all the content, I genuinely, I believe that you can embed the culture and the fun in the con- in the content. That's where like my TikToks are, you know, right now that's what kids listen to. And when quarantine hit that, um, my kids had got me to download TikTok right before like March 10th <laughs> and, so, and March 13th we shut down right and so um I believe that you can embed it in the the content I don't think that I'm not a textbook teacher I don't like teaching from a textbook tell me what I'm supposed to teach tell me the standard and then let me roll with it and so embedding what they love within your teaching the music they love and you know, taking surveys and seeing, well, what kind of stuff do you want to listen to? And, you know, what kind of, I mean, going back to college, what kind of learner are you? Do you want to get up and have fun? Do you want to do art? You know, but finding things that they love is different. Each and every year is different. I mean, my kids in Miami, we listen to different music than we listen to in Atlanta. And then when I'm in the rural area, they don't know all my songs. You know, And so changing it up for your kids. But uh, I think embedding what they love every year into your content. Content has to come. You're going to get evaluated. Your the test scores come and people feel they internalize all of those things. And so I get the stress of it all, but um, that it's really just changing your mindset. That's not the priority. You know, it's kids are going to get it. I mean, my test scores have changed every year and now I'm at this, one of these top ranked schools in the district. And it's like, Oh, Never, you know, this is a new world for me. I don't, um, it's never been, don't tell my principal, but my scores have never been important to me. I don't, I don't you know, I'm more about, you know, um, that connection, you know, great stuff will come. Right. Oh my God. You know, I always say that I think scores and grades are a byproduct. Yes. They're yeah. not the main thing. They're just a byproduct. If you, and I tell anybody, if you come into my classroom and you engage with me as a person, as a human being, I can teach anybody anything. Mm-hmm. And just by being in close contact, those kids, you know, interesting story this week, um, two of my kids, um, they're one's from Puerto Rico, very little English. Another one, um, family uh, from uh, El Paso, very little English. And so over virtual, it's hard to determine. You don't see those. You just, you know, you you don't get that. But face to face. And so when I started noticing 
And so what I did was we, we were doing classifying numbers. So I was like, where are you from? And so I drew the big, you know, concentric uh, rectangles and squares on the board and said, you know, who was born on earth? And everybody raised their hand, you know, who was born, you know, in Texas. So we talked about it. So it's like, so if you weren't born in Texas, but you were born on earth, where were you born? And so that's when it came out. We were born here. I was born there. Just by simply using Spanish when I'm talking about numbers, you know, the kids, I saw them now raising their hand, asking me more questions. And one girl, a little girl actually said, can I ask you a question in Spanish? I said, if you talk to me, más despacio, I'll, I can get it. And so when she did it and I understood her, you, I mean, it was like literally turning on an internal lamp on inside of her that now she's a totally different person. You know, she walks down the hall excited to come to math class because someone decided to connect where she is. And, you know, when you think about it, it's like all that other stuff, that'll come later. Just keep coming, just keep showing up, you know, stay in rotation. And if you do that, I'll get the math in. I, I guarantee I can get the math in, but you gotta be able to first connect with who they are, like bring them to that place. And it's different with every single class, you know, with every single student. It's like, I'm not the same person. You know, you gotta just kind of keep morphing. It's like, hey, what do they need? They need the rah, rah, rah. This one needs the motivator. You know, this one, you know, maybe that's a TikTok. What teacher do you become for your classes? <laughs> that would be, that would be, and you, I like, and do they do like the outfit, the outfit change one. Right, right. The choose your play, choose your teacher. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and and what you said, and Wilkie can attest to this, I promise you that this is a factual story when you were talking about how you don't tell your principal that you don't care about grades. I once told our whole staff at the beginning of your training that I didn't care about grades in front of the whole staff at <laughs> staff development. And I was like, well, sorry, I, you know, and then I like backtracked and I was like, what I mean is that if I do my job, the grades will take care of themselves. But I mean, really intrinsically deep down, that was actually a 100% factual statement. Mm -hmm. I, I, I don't. So like looking at it, what, what is your teaching situation right now? Are you virtual? Are you hybrid? Are you in, on campus? What's going on where you are? Well, um, we are, we have, we were 100% virtual up until this week. And then we have our phase two program, which is going to allow students to come back into the building. And so we've had an orientation week where A through M came Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we sanitized, we pre-prepped and then Thursday, Friday, N through Z came. And so we only had in our district, we're about 50-50. 50% of the kids want to come back and 50% want to stay home. And so they have that choice. And so next week, teachers go back and they will be teaching fully hybrid, which they'll have kids in the building and virtually. So webcams up, mics up, and kids socially distant around in every classroom. So, um, and actually... I listened to one of your podcasts and you guys use the word shame. And so I'm ready to say this out because it hasn't come up yet, but I'm ready. I haven't even posted it on social media, but um, I uh, was, I was a fifth grade teacher up until the day before school started. And then our instructional coach lead teacher um, moved, but relocated. And so I know that my passion will move into teaching teachers to be the best versions of themselves. And so I applied for it 
and I took that position, or I was offered that position, and so I am now the instructional lead at my school. Congratulations! Thank you. It's hard though for me because I'm I uh, I struggle with not being in the trenches and being in there. So I'm there. Like if they need a sub, if they need help, if they I'm like wearing tennis shoes and I'm like call me, let's go, and I'm running to them, and they're like. Wesley, can you help me, you know, set this up? I'm like, yes, I'm coming right now. Let's do it. You know, or I need help. This tech issue, my student, this. And so it's been a struggle for me to find my place this year because I want to be in the classroom every moment. And so I'm trying really hard to find my purpose um, and be there for teachers. I know you probably even hear it in my voice, but um, yeah, so I'm not actually in the classroom, but I'm in it. I'm in it. And I'm in more classrooms. Yeah. And that's, you know, I had that experience. I was a instructional coach for three years. Mm-hmm. And what took, drew me back to the classroom is that I felt that there were too many administrative duties mm-hmm. that kept me from being where I was. Those days I felt most fulfilled is when I was in co-teaching with other teachers, when I was observing teachers and meeting with them, when I was engaging with students, like that made a difference. But then there were those days where it's like, we need you to do this. We have you on lunch duty for two, three hours. You know, we have you, you know, doing this duty. We have you. And that that kind of lost its shine for me as far as why I got into this profession in the beginning. You know, I never wanted to be an admin. Like, I still don't want to be a principal or assistant principal. Like, that's not my vision. Well, I mean, how many times in the last three years have you turned that down? Oh yeah, yeah. I won't even apply. Four or five, four or five different times, you you were wink, wink offered things if you would apply for them, and you, I mean, we we had the talk every time about whether that was the right step. And it's tempting. I mean, be honest with you, it is tempting because again, I I believe that as an instructional leader, that you you do have an opportunity to impact more teachers, um, and. But at the same time, it's like, I'm here for the kids. Like, I'm I'm just here for the kids. And that, I mean, if I build relationships with teachers, wonderful. If I build, you know, relationships with the admin, that's great. But at the end of the day, I want it to be solely that law was all about the kids. He came here to teach and to empower our kids to be better. And granted, you can do it. You can do it by being, you know. My wife's an instructional coach, you know, um, and so I watch her, you know, you know, when she lights up, when teachers try things that she's implemented and they get the success and they're like, oh, yeah, you know, but then I watch when the teachers don't implement it and she's like, but why won't you just try, you know, so it's that, you know, it's that. But again, I think when you accustomed to building relationships, that that has to be paramount first, even with teachers. It's saying that same relationship we build, the content will come kind of idea. That is the same process, even with working with adults, is that if you focus on the relationships, then they'll be more willing to try and experiment with new things. Yeah, that's my thing now is um, I love the kids. The kids are what drive me. They're what bring me to school every day. And the fact that we are bringing kids back in the building, uh, I am empowered i am just lit up again um and so like we're starting monday half and half like teachers are hybrid um all of the kids are that want to come back are coming back and 
there is a change in a building. There's a little bit of a, um, people call it, call, call it sad a little bit. So I'm bringing my speaker down the hallway and being that obnoxiously loud person, trying to bring cheer and joy to it. Um, but it's, it's different, but I am, um, the kids in the building is what fills me. And so um, you're right. Like your wife, I'm hoping that the things, I love seeing the things that I have shown teachers going into the classrooms and, and seeing it happen. And I love, I have four mentees this year that are new to the classroom and I'm looking forward to showing them and helping them and coaching them. And, you know, one of them's like, come in Monday and help me and show me how you do math. And I'm like, yes, I'll do it. <laughs> so um, teachers that are open for change and open to, for coaching and stuff, those are what I'm hoping fulfills me this year. But I definitely know that that is, it's a, it's a year at a time because I'm, oh. everyone knows, everyone knows who's met me. They're like, oh, you left the classroom? <laughs> I'm like, I did. <laughs> no. And it's, and it's super interesting because immediately when you said that you had a new position, I was like, well, what's your plan for, you know, creating that school culture? And then I think to myself, I'm like, well, she got it literally the day before school started. <laughs> so what I, what I do want to, and you, you mentioned it, what is the, what is what is the importance of modeling? You know, you used to model things for students. Now you're now you're modeling things for teachers. Because one of the things I always felt like with a lot of the mentors I had, they didn't model things. They just told me like, "This is what you do." So, what are the kind of things that you're really trying to model, especially for those four new mentees that you have in terms of how to how to work in the classroom and create that culture? Hey, we just wanted to take a quick second to thank you for listening to the Value Adds Value podcast, taking a quick break from this episode to just say thank you. Um, as we approach our 300th episode and we're approaching the 100,000 download mark, we just are so grateful for the people who have been on this journey with us. And um, those numbers are important to us. So if you could subscribe to this podcast, share it, help us you know, make that 100,000 download mark help us continue to make a difference and support educators with things that they need with stories and to share the best parts of this profession with the wonderful people that are in it. So again, thank you for listening to value. That's value. We would love it if you would subscribe and share this episode. And as always, we appreciate you and we hope you enjoy the rest of this episode. Um. Well, I guess I want them, I want to model the, I know I kept saying it, I feel like I keep saying it over again, but the relationships that I build with these kids, some of these teachers have, um, they've just graduated. They don't even know. They don't know what school looked like before and um, the importance of the hugs and the handshakes and the what's up and the, you know, and so I'm sure they probably look at me and they think, oh, she's getting too close. <laughs> and I do have to back off sometimes being socially distant. But sometimes it's a matter of you don't know how much that hug in the morning meant, you know, and um, that connection. So I think modeling how we can still make relationships our number one focus is going to be it. And, um, you know, playing that music and getting that energy high and making that when they walk into the building if a teacher feels that it's a sad place to be, <laughs> a kid, a kid is going to feel like it's a sad place to be. And so modeling that you're um, excited to see them. I feel like if kids think you're and know that you're excited to see them, then 
will be excited to be there. And so I want to start with just teaching them importance of if, even if you're not excited to be there, <laughs> you have to, you have to fake it. You have to be, turn it on, be that teacher when they start walking in the building and be happy and be ready for them. And then teaching's but 90% acting, it's 10% prep and 90% acting and teaching teachers that that's true to its core. You are, you got to make every kid feel like they are, you, you are their number one fan and you are ready for them. And then once they fall in love with you the same way you are in love with them, then you can teach them and push them through that struggle. Then when they're struggling and they hate this a math assignment and they're crying while they're trying to solve it, you can be there and they can be like, I know she, I know he or she loves me and I can push through this, you know, I'll work for them. And I don't know. I think um, that's what I'm going to try to model. I've been trying to model first and that's get kids to love being with you. Get them mm -hmm. to love coming to school. One, once you get that, then I can model how to do a math lesson to music, how to do uh, get kids engaged and letting them be kids while they learn. I modeled a math, I didn't model it, but I, did a math lesson the other day and uh, one little girl who's new to our school, she doesn't know me. And uh, she looked at me, she goes, I've never had that much fun doing math before. And I was like, yeah, she's, I've never screamed during math. And I was like, what? Well, who doesn't scream when I'm doing a math problem? And she was like, it was great. <laughs> so, you know, that's you what know, I'm hoping to model the most. The screaming is, is I, I, I tell kids you have to do a control screen. Yeah. Practice. You know, we practice the three second screen, the two second screen and the one second screen. And, you know, and I think when you get kids to that point to where they realize school is not this place that you walk into this sterile building and you just have to be these little clonies that just kind of go from place to place. It's like, no, you know, getting there. If I see my energy is low, I'm like, guys, come on, everybody take a deep breath. We're going to let out a big scream. I want the teacher down the hall to get upset and want to know what's going on, you know, and so. And even now, watch this. Here's the funny thing. I do it when I do my affirmations. And so I did my affirmations online and I have not transferred it to my classroom. And so Friday, one of my students said, Mr. Law, you told us we'd be doing our affirmations every time before we start class. And we haven't done them once since we've been back. And I said, you know what? They'll be up Monday. So I brought my flip chart home and I'm going to write them all out and stick them up on the wall and we're going to go through. But that, because they, that was their opportunity virtually. I said, turn your mics on. Let's get loud. Make your parents wonder why you're screaming and yelling while you're in there. And that just, and it opens up, you know, and there's science behind the idea of screaming, like what it does to your brain and what it does to your, to your body, you know, the act of screaming and you know, it's no, it's no wonder athletes do it when they when they when they feel accomplished. You know, you watch a good tennis match, you watch a good even golf. You know, you hear golf people screaming. You know, so it's like it's something about it that transforms your thinking about a situation and make you ready to go into it again. So, yeah, I love the scream. <laughs> yeah, you know, I like you're gonna make the other teachers mad. I'm like, yeah, well, I bet you passed my classroom last year and wondered. So, yeah. And see, that's my room too. My room is the one with this with the music playing. They're like, you're the only teacher with a speaker in this room. Yep, my kids can hear from down the hallway. We uh, that that's my class. Yep, got to be different. You know, it just has to be different. Just yeah. has to be different. 
Yeah, I'm I suppose. Away from all these questions, so I know, but we do. Want, <laughs> we we do. I mean, do we want? Uh, let me ask you, Will. I'm gonna leave this up to you. Do you want to have her talk about TikTok right now, or schedule sometime in the next month or so that we can bring her back on specifically to talk about TikTok? We could bring her back for TikTok, but I want to. The one question. There's a few questions that I, that are our staples that I want to get your insight on. Yeah. Uh, which is our mission, which is to help teachers become the students that their students, the teacher that their students deserve, um, the teacher your kids deserve. So when you hear that phrase, the teacher kids deserves, what comes to your mind? I think I was actually asked this question yesterday, and um, I was like, "Oh, remember that?" <laughs> practice. Um, I truly believe that kids deserve a teacher who is excited to see them each and every day, who invests in them, who knows their story and is passionate about what they do. I think that when teachers come to school and they aren't excited to be there, then nothing is gonna happen. Kids aren't gonna learn that day. Um, it might as well just been a stay at home virtual day, right? I mean, just stay home and do your work, go through your Google Classroom assignments and come back tomorrow. And so when, it's my purpose this year, I think, to pour into these teachers because I know that they have that passion and that excitement for teaching, but they're tired and they're exhausted and they are, they don't know where to start because what has worked for them for the last 10 years isn't working this year. And mm -hmm. so I, kids deserve to have a teacher who is happy to see them and that is ready to pour into them. And so teachers need to feel well. And so that's why I took this position because I've seen so many teachers feel drained and feel like they can't do anymore. They want to quit and I can't let that happen. I need to pour into my teachers and pour into my staff. So then they go and do that same thing with their kids because that's what kids deserve. Kids deserve a teacher that isn't exhausted and isn't struggling, but is happy to see them and wants to love them. And I don't want to be the teacher that they get love from because they know almost oh, Wesley loves me. You know, I want to be the teacher that helps their teacher be that person, you know? And, um, and so that's my, that's my mission this year is to get teachers to fall in love with it all over again and um, show them how and show them how to reignite that fire that they had once upon a time, virtual hybrid, whatever you're sitting in right now. And so kids deserve it. They deserve that. We have to do it. Absolutely. Absolutely. That, mm. that, that, yeah. I, I, all I can say is touche. Yeah. <laughs> that it makes sense, you know, and I think that that's when we first started the podcast, our vision was to inspire teachers. Um, we have such an amazing profession. Um, we, you know, we joke, we always say that we're the 1% educators in the United States. We make up the 1% that really guides the entire 99. So if there are problems going on in our, in our country, teachers are the, are the catalyst to help change that. You know, we can teach social justice. We can teach social reform. We can teach all these things within our classroom without teaching a curriculum about it, but just how we model interactions with our students, how, what we condone, what conversations we allow to continue to happen, you know, that's shaped and molded by who we are as a profession. And I don't think that a lot of teachers take that mantle so much, 
you know, to a lot of teachers, it's just, I'm just teaching. You know, oh, this is just this is just one step for me to get to where I want to get. I'm just doing this because this hasn't opened up yet. And that's great. You know, I, I joked with him the other day. I say, you know, I remember when I was a waiter and I used to have to bus tables. You know, I, people love being in my section when I was a waiter because I was the same person I'm in my classroom. And I didn't realize then how that was helping me for today, because now I have to literally clean off. 18 desks, you know, between every class period, you know, and I have to get the kids to stand up and, and be patient while I spray the desk and wipe them all down. And so I bring that same energy. So it's like everything that you do that you're passing through, you do it with a sense of excitement because you don't know how it's going to help you on the other side of it. And I think that that's where um, we have to get back to that joy and that love of teaching and being inspired ourselves so that we can inspire our students. So awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So we we've got we gotta get a commitment to have you back on, uh, because we kind of derailed um yeah. uh, from the questions. Cause I really do want to dig into TikTok because my kids love the TikToks. You know, out of all the videos I've created this year. The one TikTok that I made, my introduction TikTok, has been watched so many times by my kids. Uh, and the only reason why I know it is because I published it to YouTube. It's not even on my TikTok page. You know, it's on my YouTube and the kids are watching it over and over and over again. And I'm like, why are they watching this video so much? Just getting to know me. And I said, I have to include this because it captures them. You know, it captures them. And when I shared your video with them, like the kids were just like, Mr. Law, do you know she helped us with this? She she shows us how to do this. I'm like, you know, but again, I'm excited about it because again, if whatever exposes them to the math learning, I don't care if you learn a trick. Once you get to my classroom, I'm going to show you why that trick is true. And I think a lot of teachers who don't like the tricks, they don't want to take the time to, you know, it's like Mythbusters. You know, if it's a trick and it works, then let me show you why. But some people don't want to understand the why. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they don't truly understand it well enough to say. Well, you know what? If that's why it works, let's let's decompose it to figure out what makes it work. And I think that that's where you, your videos are so helpful. Um, and I appreciate for what you do with that. Um, so keep doing it. Don't stop. Don't listen to the haters. Haters gonna hate. <laughs> and I having the kids back, they they think it's great because they're just like, wow, so many followers. <laughs> Oh yeah, you, you your cred, your, your 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 TikTok cred is like like way yes. up here. Yeah, <laughs> it's amazing. Like you know, they're adorable, and so like I was like, can we do can we do TikTok? You know, and I'm like, sure, why not? You know, um, so I, I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed just connecting with my students doing it, and so I'd love to talk more about um, how we're using it and how because um, I don't use just use it with kids. I'm also using it with teachers. I mean, and parents. Parents message me all the time um, on Instagram and TikTok asking me for help with certain equations for their kids. And so I'm, I'm and I try to respond to everybody because like, like, like you said, like you were surprised I answered. No, I am just like you guys. I, you know, I just, my husband just deals with me with a ring light and a easel in the middle of our living room. And, <laughs> you know, and so, um, so yeah, no, I love it. I, I've really found a lot of fulfillment and connections with it. And so I'm going to continue to do it and hope, 
you know, they don't shut it down and I can keep using it for good. <laughs> right. Right. And, you know, I want to say, and I'm glad we had this opportunity to talk with you because I think it debunks a lot of people who, who see your TikToks and the, and the math ideas that you present and say, oh, she's just teaching tricks. She's just teaching tricks. She's just teaching tricks. And you've illuminated to, to, to us right now and to our listeners that you're a teacher teacher, you know, <laughs> you know, that you are a, you are a, a true, gen, a gen, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? A true teacher who, who goes in and does what's mo- what the most important part of the job. And that content piece, if I have to teach you a trick to get you to be successful, you know, I tell kids, I still use tricks that, I, you know, that I learned when I was in school that helps me multiply faster when I'm doing two by two multiplication. You know, I still decompose numbers. That's a trick. You know, yeah, it's it, oh, but I still do it because it helps me get to the answer a lot sooner. And so if I can help you in any kind of way do that, then, I mean, it's like, that's our job as educators. You know, when you're teaching kids to tie their shoes, the bunny rabbit ears, you tell them a little story, you know, loop, swoop, and pull. That's a trick, but it's in hopes that they would do it so much that it would become automatic <laughs> oh. that when they're doing it, they do it themselves. Why are you laughing, Kyle? Yeah, we gotta come back. We gotta go. <laughs> yeah, I, I've just, I've not heard someone say loop, swoop, and pull in such a long time <laughs> that I just find so much joy. Will, do you want to save the uh, the the last two questions for the next time? Do you want? No, I think to... we should go. We should hit them now. All right. Well, let's hit them. Bring this thing okay. in for a landing. And so these are these are not the last two of our staple questions. If you could share a message with every student across the country, including the ones you teach, and if, imagine a billboard that every kid as they're going on an educational journey would have to pass by and read. What would that message say to students? Man, that one, I read that question. That's loaded. That's a big one, right? Uh, <laughs> it said, I hope you find your passion. I hope you find what you love. And that's it. I mean, I hope that you find what makes you tick. And, and I'm so not on the billboard. I would hope that um, I'm, I help you find that. That's Mm. I hope I find you find your weird. I hope you find your what you are, and if and I want to help you embrace that, embrace your weird, embrace your funky, embrace your whatever it is that makes you show up and wake up every day. So I hope I help you find your passion. Mm. That That's awesome. I love that. I love that. Mm-hmm. And last one before we get you out of here, as an educator, when it's all done, the last bell is rung. There's no other students to teach. What do you want your legacy to be? My legacy. I just hope kids remember that I was there for them and that I, um, I didn't see them for anything more than the kid that I knew they could be, you know, and I, could hear their story. I could know what's going on in their life. I could see their grades, all those things. None of those things were as important as the moments we spent together and just letting them be who they were, their authentic selves. And so, and I hope they know that I embraced that. I embraced who they were and who, um, 
I believed truly deep inside my heart that they were going to grow up to be something amazing and they were going to break through walls and break through barriers and show the world that they are as awesome as I keep telling them they are, you know? And um, so, yeah, so I hope that kids remember me for just truly believing in them and knowing that they're worth something. They, they have a high worth and they can be anything and I will show them that they can be anything and support them. So. Awesome. That's perfect. So for people that want to connect with you and, and learn about you, what, where, where's the best places for them to find you? Um, I have an Instagram. It's just my Instagram. Uh, so, and that's at tab Wesley, the same handle as TikTok. Um, but TikTok is fine. I enjoy a lot of time on TikTok, (laughs) but Instagram and Twitter, I'm on Twitter as well. It's, uh, at, Wesley Tabitha I think so it's just my name so people look me up Tab Wesley Tabitha Wesley I'm on all of it Facebook I think is a little harder to find me but Twitter Instagram TikTok that's where I'm at so and I answer everything I try to answer all my messages and respond to everybody so if you ever need anything or parents too need that math problem solved (laughs) I can do that well, like like Will said, we're going to hold you to that that uh, second interview sometime soon to talk about how to use TikTok. And I guess I'm going to have to get I might have to get serious about it again. Yeah. I, go, I go back and forth about being serious about it, but um, man, we we really enjoyed the conversation, and we we can't wait to do it again with you soon. Absolutely. Okay, so you tell me when. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much for being on our podcast. Thank you all so much for asking. Hey, fam. Thanks for checking out this episode of Value Has Value with our friend Tabitha Wesley. We can't have, can't wait to have her back on um, to talk about TikTok and what she's doing on there and how she's using it uh, in her classroom and with her kids. And, oh, man, it, I'm not surprised we didn't get to it. I'm a little disappointed, but... Uh, we look forward to having her back on and getting a chance to talk with her some more. So um, we hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. Go follow Tabitha uh, on Instagram. Go follow her on TikTok. If you're not on TikTok, give it a shot. She inspired us to give it a try again. And as always, you can find us on social media at value adds value at it's Kyle Krieger at its.will.law.iii. Go to the ledproject.com and if you're really vibing this, if it's been good, if you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe, please like it, please share it, and uh, help us continue to move forward and you know make a difference for those teachers out there, especially this year. So um, as we leave off every episode, please, if there's anything we can do to help you, to support you right now, no matter what it is you need, please reach out, let us know. Um, and we look forward to seeing you back here again for the Value Adds Value podcast.